David Cassidy, Man Undercover, won't be seen tonight, so he can bring you a very special episode of The Gen X Files. Welcome to The Gen X Files. I'm Jim. I'm Adam. And today's show is all about Match Game. That was really, that's really good. Oh, man. (laughs) One of my favorite songs ever and my favorite game show ever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take yourself back to 1973. January 14th, Elvis Presley's concert in Hawaii breaks the record for worldwide viewers previously set by the Apollo moon landings. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I like, uh... Banana bacon and cheese sandwiches, and I was eating one was on the turlet when. Uh, is there cheese on them? And I died. It was bacon, banana, and peanut butter. There you go. That's and what it was. Probably got some cheese on it, dude, and deep fried by my mama. Shocked he lived as long yeah. as he did. <laughs> I like pills. <laughs> well, pills liked him. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, April third, the first handheld mobile phone call is made by Martin Cooper of Motorola in New York City. Ugh, and you know what the first call was? You know what the first thing that the first caller said? Can you hear me now? Hey, hey, guess where I'm calling from? <laughs> guess where I'm calling from? I'm calling from a car. <laughs> guess where I'm calling from? Ugh. That was the worst nice. part about it. Guess, uh, guess where I'm calling you from? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm at the movies. <laughs> July 1st, the United States Drug Enforcement Administration is founded. Boo. Yeah, I know, I know. Boo, boo on you. Yeah. It's a, I, yeah, July 1st. I, I, I was just surprised. I thought it was older than that. I yeah, me too. Like, yeah. Um, but I guess, not. well, I mean, <laughs> that was like, it was in response to the hippie movement, man, and everybody. Of course it was. You don't realize how close pot became to being legalized in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. Gerald Ford was so close. There's a really great Saturday Night Live bit with Chevy Chase as, 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 uh, as Ford, Ford yeah. and he's like, well, I, I guess if we're going to legalize it, I... I better figure out how to roll one of these things. And it's like him trying to you know, roll a joint, oh, rip a paper, and all. It was absolutely, if you can find it on YouTube, back when Chevy Chase was a joy. Yeah. Uh, July 2nd, Match Game 73 premiered at, on CBS at 4 p.m. This is something else that I thought was really interesting, and we'll get into this. But I, for some reason, watching all the like the Match Game PM and Match Game 73, mm-hmm. I really thought these were on later in the day. Match Game PM? Was on at like seven o'clock. <laughs> well, that's PM, baby. Anything <laughs> afternoon is PM. Uh, I know, I know. It was just weird. Anyway, yes, no. I but probably by the time you watched it, it was in a different rotation of syndication. Sure. So it, well, no, it, I mean by the time I watched it, it was the last like five years. So like yeah. it was on, you know. But yeah, you know, and also different markets. And yeah. like you talk about with the last show, some some affiliates would absorb other shows. Because yeah, they yeah, yeah. So. It was it was part of the fringe primetime, the the late fringe primetime. Because for me, I just remember basically being homesick or summer vacation. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then that was like Match Game City, baby. Yeah, oh yeah. Because it would start, you know, you would, you would, hit, you would hit like Match Game, and then like the twenty five thousand dollar pyramid, mm-hmm. and then like one o'clock, uh, they started showing. Perry friggin' Mason, and it was such oh, a speed I, bump to the day. Because yeah. fine show for adults, but a child at home no, no, who no. loves is obsessed with celebrity game shows. Right, right, right. You right. know, you have to you get it broken up by a nineteen fifties courtroom drama <laughs> uh, with Perry Mason always uh, with, at the last minute. No, wait one second, Your Honor. With uh, 
they always started so they started soap operas early where I was, yeah. and and like after Price is Right was over at eleven, they'd go into some soap opera, and God, man, I never turn the TV off faster. But that's the thing; <laughs> the other two channels are ha- held hostage by the stories yeah. by your mom yeah. and your grandma's stories. Yeah. Got to watch my stories. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my mom never did, by the way. I my mom was not a stay at home mom and did not watch. Uh, I don't want to paint her as a – not that there's anything wrong with yeah, that, but I don't no. want to paint her as somebody who watched a bunch of – My, my mom know. watched one, and it was something she started watching when she was like 15. I don't think – my sister did. My sister worked for our stepdad for a while, and she got into one and then pulled yeah. me into it. And I don't remember which one it was. It was all my children or something. But uh, and I, it's, yeah. it, I totally yeah. get it. They're they're so you know it's yeah they're yeah, gripping yeah, yeah. because it's just like well, of course wait, they're what, ridiculous. Yeah. I mean that's the, they have to be. <laughs> it was <laughs> like yeah it was it was I get before. It. I get it. Before things became real salacious and violent, and you know, you had yeah, all of yeah. your delicacies on streaming of any sort of, you know, that thing was that you... the the soap opera my mom watched. Eventually, it was the one that kind of led the. It was a different world or something, or different another something. world, another world. That's mm-hmm. what it was, and it and it, man, it embraced when things got weird. It embraced it oh, so yeah. hard. My mom was like, I "Never don't trust. Think I'm gonna watch this anymore. Never it trust a guy weird. with an eye patch." Adam. That's what I learned from <laughs> watching my stories. It's true. That's true. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think because you had to watch Perry Mason because there was only one channel that was running right. game shows, right. and and, right. and you would also get uh, your Dick Van Dyke shows, yeah. Yeah, 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 you know, which I loved, and your Honeymooners or your I Love Lucy's. You yeah. know, you'd have a yeah. good block of 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 comedy, comedy stuff. Yeah, but man, it was that it was that awful Perry Mason. Hour, <laughs> man, I dread it. One o'clock. Within Oof. three months, Match Game 73 was the most-watched program on daytime television. Of course it was. By, of course it was. By summer 1974, it grew into an absolute phenomenon with high school students and housewives scoring remarkable ratings among the 12 to 34 age demographic. Yeah. Because it was on right after school. People would come home and, and watch it all the time. Yeah. I mean, that was... Kids in the 70s yeah. were smoking the grass <laughs> with, the, with the friends that get together and smoke their grass and watch Gene Rabin do his thing, baby. Oh, he did his thing. By the 76th season, it was drawing higher numbers than that of some prime time series. Like, I mean, it was huge. Well, because it was... I've said this before, that I cannot stand knowing things about celebrities. Yeah, yeah, Because it ruins stuff for them. But back then, nobody knew anything about celebrities. Barely. There were some rags that ran, you know... Manufactured stories about yeah, people whose careers yeah. were on the way down anyway, or pissed off some sort of the Inquirer was the thing, but it, yeah. yeah. But this was the only time we really got to see our favorite celebrities be goofballs and yeah. and drink yeah. and be silly, and be, yeah, and be you fun. know. It was yeah. like a party. It was like a Hollywood party that we were invited to, and it was a little bit body. You know, there was a little <laughs> something under the surface. It was a little dirty and not too. We shouldn't be watching this. It surpassed records as the most popular daytime program ever with a record 11 million daily viewers. Good Lord. Uh, eventually that, that record would be shattered but, uh, yeah, but later. Yeah, that's amazing. But that's huge. For daytime, huge. that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Match Game 73 was not the first version of Match Game. It actually started in 1962. It was created by Frank Wayne for Mark Goodson, Bill Todman Productions. A Mark Goodson, Bill Todman Productions. <laughs> Always. Uh, during a corporate creative meeting, Wayne had an idea. Try this. Write down something about an elephant and try to write the same thing that you think the others will. Several different answers came up. It's gray, it's big, but two people wrote, It has a trunk! Mark Goodson was intrigued with the concept of a game where there was no right or wrong answers and only matching answers scored points. I am quite intrigued with this game with no right or wrong answers. I mean, it's essentially, it's a game show without an actual game. Like, it's... <laughs> it's a... It is! I mean, but it's... 
it, that's the other thing too is it's 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 not for smarties like no, Jeopardy's no, for smarties no. and it's great it's a smug game we've talked about this yes yes but this is a game <laughs> where you just purely guess you know and there's dumb guesses i mean there's yeah, times where you just yeah. face palm because you know it's like blank a doodle do and people are like uh, i don't know rooster and they're like what come on yeah, we all know yeah. it's a cock yeah <laughs> but uh but yeah i mean it's it's a fun show anybody can play anybody yeah. can win yeah it doesn't and, matter and i mean you, it's yeah it's fun i mean that's the point and you get to play with your favorite celebrities yeah, yeah exactly the match game debuted on december 31st that they could afford 1962 with Gene Rayburn as the host. Uh, Rayburn broke into television as the original announcer on Steve Allen's Tonight, where he met game show producers Mark Goodson and Bill Todman in 1953. Nice. Uh, Steve Allen's Tonight was actually the very first late night show. Uh, little people, it didn't run. It only ran for a couple of years, but it was the very first late night show. He was awesome. He used to come into the Mondrian and play the piano. Just oh, come yeah. in and play it yeah. when I was bartending there. Nice. He was such a cool dude. The, yeah. It was like the end of all those dudes. Yeah. In the early 90s, you know, it was like. Yeah, yeah. But they would come in. Walter Matthau used to come in. He was nice. the nicest dude. But it was, anyway, it was like, yeah. I did work at the Steve Allen Theater uh, in Hollywood for a while, uh, different shows. But uh, unfortunately, it's torn down now. It's gone. Did you ever meet him? No, he was dead by that point. Oh. But uh, but I got to, I did get to meet a lot of other really cool people. Like, I got to meet all the kids in the hall and, like, work with them and all that stuff. But, nice. Uh, but, yeah, but no, Steve Allen was gone by that point. Uh, he made a ton of, so Gene Rayburn made a ton of appearances on various television programs, hosting or guesting throughout the fifties. So weird. Cause Gene Rayburn kind of looks like a horse. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a well, funny his, look. His parents were Croatian mm-hmm. and his, I should have written down his original name because it was very hard to pronounce. His, he is basically a mad magazine parody come to life. Yeah. He's a caricature. I completely, I love him so much. <laughs> he is my favorite game show host in the world. My middle name is Rayburn, which I loathed as a child because I didn't yeah. realize why. Yeah. I didn't know politics back then. But when I right. found out Gene Rayburn, even though it breaks my heart that he picked that name out of a phone book. Uh, yeah. Well, but, he had to do something else. <laughs> but it gave me validity. Yeah. I was like, Rayburn, Rayburn. Yeah, yeah, And then yeah. I was like, maybe we're related. And then I just loved him. Uh, he would also appear frequently as a panelist on What's My Line and To Tell the Truth. Uh, he was he was essentially I wouldn't say he's a household name by this point like he people course, knew him yeah. like they knew who he was they liked watching him TV was very limited and if you were oh, on yeah, TV yeah. you were a household yeah. name people knew you yeah yeah you're on the network I mean they're all networks I was like well there was some UHF yeah and local affiliates and stuff yeah yeah there was local stuff definitely local stuff but not but even then still not a lot I mean it was it was still very rare. Uh, so the original match game in 1962 pitted two teams of three, one celebrity, and two t- civilians against each other, with points being won if team members' answers match one another. Game show technology was still in its infancy, so even though they had electronic signs to indicate a match and the number of points, players still had to raise their hands to alert Gene that they were ready to show their answer. Hi, Gene. 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 I'm ready to answer. Can you see, Gene, can you see my hand? I see it. Uh, the questions used in the game were very pedestrian in nature, like... Name a kind of muffin. Write down one of the words to row, row, row your boat, other than row, your, or boat. Or... John loves his blank. The humor in the original series came largely from the panelists' reactions to the other answers. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. In 1963, uh, NBC actually canceled the series with six weeks left of production. <laughs> so, uh, question writer Dick DeBartolo. Oh, baby. Oh, yeah. He was also a freelance with Mad Magazine. One of the best Mad Magazine writers. 
one of the best. I, Did yeah. so many of the parodies. Oh yeah, so yeah. many of the great. Oh, Dick D. Yeah. yeah, he he came up with a funnier set of questions like. Mary likes to pour gravy all over John's blank. And he submitted it to Mark Goodson. Uh, it was 1963, so of course the panelists would give answers like... Mashed potatoes. Or... Ethel. But the unspoken possibilities made the audience titter. I love tittering, by the way. Yeah, it's good. Titter, yeah. titter, 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 titter. You see any old clips of Batch Game from 1963? Oh, there was a lot of tittering. Oh, man. If I'm tittering, I'm happy. <laughs> With the knowledge that the show could not be canceled again, Goodson gave the go-ahead for the more risque-sounding questions, a decision that caused a significant boost in ratings and an uncancellation by NBC. See what happens when you got nothing to lose? Yeah. yeah. You, you Sometimes you win. Sometimes you hit. The match game continued through September 26th, 1969 on NBC for 1,760 episodes. Good lord, that's a great for the first run. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. Although the series still did well in the ratings, it was canceled in 1969 along with other game shows and a major daytime programming overhaul being replaced by Letters to Laugh In, which a spinoff of the popular primetime series Rowan and Martin's Laugh In, but only lasted three months. Shock it to me! Which actually, Letters of Laughing, I, f- I found out after, was actually a game show as well. And I'm not sure how it worked. <laughs> uh, they read but letters it, and they said yeah. if they were real or not, probably. Uh, yeah. yeah. Laughing was hilarious. It was oh, like Laffin the precursor to yeah. Saturday Night Live. Yeah. That was the Richard Nixon was on. Shock it. Oh, to oh, me. Yeah. <laughs> um, Goldie Hawn got her start on that. And uh, uh, Rowan was on Match Game quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think Martin too, maybe. Probably, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised. Never together, because they were the same person. Yeah, yeah, never. Yeah. <laughs> In the early 1970s, CBS Vice President Fred Silverman began overhauling the network's programming as part of what has colloquially become known as the Rural Purge. The Rural Purge. Time to get rid of all them farming shoes. The Rural Purge was of American television networks, in particular CBS, was a series of cancellations in the early 1970s of still. Some very still popular rural themed shows with demographically skewed audiences, the majority of which occurred at the end of the 1970 71 television season. <laughs> In addition to rural themed shows such as Mayberry F- RFD. Okay, Mayberry RFD was a spinoff of The Andy Griffith Show. Yeah. And, yeah, it was time to go. It yeah. was so weird seeing the Griffith people in color and... Man, yeah, Opie yeah. was still... It had been on for Ron a while. Ron Howard was yeah. a little long in the tooth to be playing such a good, good boy. Uh, Beverly Hillbillies and Green Acres. The Andy Griffith yeah. Show was so popular. One of the best shows ever on television. And, and it started this whole run of like, we're going to put people in the, in the country. Most malcontent men that I know have the Andy Griffith fantasy of being a sheriff in a small town <laughs> where nothing happens, having a son and no wife to bug you, yeah. but a... An ant that takes care of everything. <laughs> so many friends. I could name names, but I'm not going to. But they're just like, yeah, man, that would just be the thing. That would just be great. That's when America was great. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man. I mean, I think uh, Green Acres, uh, that was yeah. a guy from uh, Benji. And, oh, yeah. And yeah, Benji yeah. was on. He was on that. Yeah. Green Acres. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. But yeah, it was time for all those. Here's yeah, the thing. Yeah. Is uh, more people were getting color televisions. And they didn't think that the rurals, i.e. the poors, could 
afford the color televisions. So right, they went right. for the more metropolitan. It's so snooty. It was. It was. Along with these uh, rural purge, they canceled uh, a, a bunch of variety shows that CBS had on since essentially like the 40s. Yeah. It was everything changed. It was just huge. Yeah. It was a huge shift. They got rid of all the stuff that people really liked and decided <laughs> <laughs> to force a bunch of crap that they didn't. As part of the overhaul, the network reintroduced game shows beginning in 1972. Because they're much cheaper to produce. That's true. That's very true. One of the first new offerings was the new Price is Right, a radically overhauled version of the 1950s game show, The Price is Right. The success of the new Price is Right prompted Silverman to commission more game shows. In the summer of 1973, Mark Goodson and Bill Todman took a similar approach in adapting the match game by reworking the show, moving it to Los Angeles, adding more celebrities, and increasing the amount of prize money that could be won. All very smart choices. Very smart choices. It was this show, along with the $10,000 Pyramid, uh, Three on a Match, and Jackpot, that reintroduced five-figure payouts for the first time since the quiz show scandals of the late 1950s. You know why people don't remember Three on a Match? Uh, No. Because three on a match is a goocher, baby. It's bad luck. You don't light three ciggies oh. on a match. Oh, yeah. It's a goocher. It's a goocher. Okay. <laughs> I don't I don't think it was a reference to lighting three cigarettes with a match. Yeah, it is. 100%. I mean, it's a play on words for that. But three oh, yeah. to a match was a – it was really a superstition in World War right. II where you would never light more, yeah. more than two cigarettes because it was a – you know, then it would be a bad omen. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, the gameplay for this version of the show had two solo contestants attempting to match the answers given by a six-celebrity panel. The first week's panelists were... Richard Dawson. Michael Landon. Vicki Lawrence. Jack Cronkwin. Joanne Flug. And Anita Gillette. Uh, Rayburn reassured viewers of the first week of CBS shows that... This is your old favorite updated with more action, more money, and as you can see, more celebrities. The first few weeks of the show were somewhat different from the rest of the run. At first, many of the questions fit into the more bland and innocuous mold of the earlier seasons of the original series. In addition, many of the frequent panelists on the early episodes were not regulars later in the series, but had appeared on the 60s version, including Klugman, Arlene Francis, and Burt Convy. Burt Convy, yeah. Yeah, Burt Convy. Handsome man. He was. You know, also one of the only game shows where you got to sit. You just sat yeah. down. You're real comfortable. Yeah, it was just, just you're just there. chilling, just hanging out, sitting there, matching with celebs. However, the double entendre in the question Johnny always put butter on his blank marked a turning point in the questions on the show. Soon, the tone of Rayburn's questions changed notably, leaving behind the staid topics that the match game had first disposed of in 1963 for more risque humor. Oh, yeah. It was like, dumb Donald was so dumb. How dumb was yeah, he? Yeah. That he thought. He could grow a tree by putting fertilizer on his blank. Uh, celebrity panelist Brett Summers, uh, Klugman's wife at the time. Oh, man. What a lucky guy. She's hilarious. Oh, yeah. She's funny. He was uh, on the television series The Odd Couple, and he was also Quincy MD. I love Jack Klugman. Also, a really sad death in the movie Two Minute Warning about the guy shooting up the Super Bowl. He oh, just, yeah, that's right. Klugman just, that's right. he's a gambler. I'm a gambler down on my luck. And then he wins. Oh, and then when he stands up to win, bang, bang, he gets shot and die. Boom. Nah, no more Cluggy. The Klugs is dudes. <laughs> so Brett Summers and Charles Nelson Riley began as guest panelists on the program, uh, with Summers brought in at the request of Klugman, who felt she would make a nice fit on the program. Charles Nelson Riley. Yeah. Oh, my. Him, him and Summers had a really good chemistry. They and did. It, it, 
prompted Goodson Todman to make them regular panelists. It was great because they had certain people that just they 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 collected celebrities along the way. Yeah, you know, and Certainly, soon it was Marshall yeah. Wallace, and it yeah. was we well, get like Betty White. You know, well, Betty White was on quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, because they would find these people that just fit, and they would yeah. also find people that didn't. You know, yeah, I mean, they would they would have their regulars and they would have their semi regulars, and they'd have people that come in for you know usually there'd be one person that was just like, hey, I'm on to promote something, <laughs> yeah, and exactly <laughs> like whatever. Hello, Falcon Christ. Um, interestingly, Charles Nelson Riley and Gene Rayburn actually worked together on Broadway in the fifties. He was Charles Nelson Riley was Gene. Raver stand in during a Broadway show. It was um, Romeo and Juliet. If you want to know why that's funny, watch an old episode because Charles Nelson <laughs> Riley and Gene Rayburn do not look like a like at all. No, but I mean it was a play, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. he was his understudy. Yeah, no, he was a stand in. I don't even think he was an understudy. I think Plays he, have stand in. He literally was a stand in during rehearsals. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, Riley was Rayburn stand in. Yes. What a weird! I want to play what they were doing. Hunchback of the Um, I think it was Bye Bye Birdie. If I remember really, correctly. oh, he yeah. was probably playing the announcer. Yeah, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, uh, celebrity panelists appeared in week long blocks due to the show's production schedule. Rayburn actually lived in Cape Cod in Massachusetts and flew to Los Angeles every two weeks on a Friday, and then the cast and crew proceeded to tape twelve shows over the weekend. Brilliant. So so great. With such an exhaustive schedule, the panelists and hosts tended to imbibe a bit during the lunch break and the dinner break. Yeah, the, the after-meal shows were the best when they had their little styrofoam yeah. cups full of booze. Yeah. And they were sipsies. Yeah. And they were all tipsies. And, uh, and that's when things got loosey-goosey. It was interesting because as the week progressed, you could see the episodes yeah, that were, sloppy, baby. were definitely filmed later in the day. It was like a bunch of children. You couldn't keep them in their seats. They would oh, just they like, would get up and do – I mean, it but was they, so crazy. It was so That was fun. the beauty of it yeah. is that you never knew what was going to happen. Exactly. It was a bunch of drunken, out-of-control, <laughs> silly celebrities. You know, it was just the – having fun. It was so much fun watching – some of your favorite people just be goofballs. Yeah, they would drink a lot of vodka in their styrofoam cups instead of water. Um, they would comment on it once in a while, but they did, they didn't really point it out. No. It was just, you know, sometimes they'd make double entendre jokes sure. about the drinks and all this. Uh, despite his on-screen demeanor, however, Richard Dawson did not drink. His beverage of choice was always coffee. Yeah, it's not yeah. He was very... This is the mm. f- first red flag that Richard Dawson thinks he's better than everyone else. Hey, look, Richard Dawson was a sex symbol back then. He was oh, a yeah, daytime yeah. sex symbol. Every mom wanted oh, yeah. th- some of the Doss. <laughs> some of the Doss sauce. <laughs> oh, no, no. I don't know what you're saying, and Think I don't want to know what you're saying. But yeah, he was uh, Hogan's Heroes. He, was, he just was a very charming Englishman. Yeah. He had that kind of... Air that Richard Burton air, you know, he had that kind of gravitas, but yeah. also kind of funny and no, seemed he was, to really like yeah. people. Come here, darling, let me give you a kiss. I mean, he was definitely very personable. Oh, I mean, he's super was, charming. I mean, he's a great host and, and he's great. Yeah, charming. One of the the best, in my opinion, Family Feud host of all time. I'm, I I love all the others. I I will always number one in my heart. Louis Anderson. <laughs> Louis Anderson's great. He was so bad at it, but it made it so entertaining. And and hey, I like Steve Harvey. He's really funny. Steve at Harvey's it too, great too. But yeah. Richard Dawson but it was, was so charming yeah. and just you know it was like he elevated the game show yes to something different with that show yeah yeah that that I don't think has been done since you know it was an it it was a a good actor who was charming enough to be yeah. a great host. There's been really great hosts and great actors. Yeah, hosts. yeah, yeah. Alec sure. Baldwin's a good host. Uh, Jane Lynch is a great host. Yeah. But he just had this kind of 
because he was kissing everybody <laughs> and all the ladies loved him. And he just, you know, that he wanted people to win. Yeah. And he goes, darling, darling, okay. Come here, darling. He put the arm around you. What do you think, darling? Okay. Are you ready for this? You know, he was just really he was, like no, in the he corner. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he made people want to watch him. I mean, that was the, the he sold the show. He sold himself. Yeah. Turned into a bit of a dick on the other show, but we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah, we'll get into it. Uh, a number of celebrities, including Betty White, Dick Martin, Marsha Wallace, Bill Daly, McLean. McLean? Is it McLean or McLean? McLean? McLean Stevenson? McLean Stevenson. Yes, from MASH. I always, I, it's funny because I know it's McLean and I see the word written down and I say McLean. <laughs> I can't um, help it. Colonel Blake's plane was shot down <laughs> over Korea at all 500 hours. <laughs> and uh, Fanny Flagg. They were all semi-regular panelists, usually appearing several times a year. Fanny Flagg had bright red hair. She was hilarious and has one of She's the greatest fine, names. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, celebrity panels also included personalities from other Goodson-Todman-produced game shows like Bob Barker, Anitra Ford, Janice Pennington, and Holly Hallstrom, all from The Price is Right, and Alan Ludden from Password. They would come on and, and hang out for a while. Bob Barker early on was on a lot. Yes, there is a great exchange between them. Where <laughs> Gene Rayburn's like, I, f- you, I follow you. <laughs> and he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, I, your show, it's after this show. My show is after your show. You you come on in, then you're on again. He's like, oh, <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> it was so weird. It was like somebody turned on Bob Barker, the robot. He didn't quite get it. <laughs> Due to the success of the afternoon match game, a weekly nighttime series dubbed Match Game PM premiered on September 8th, 1975, the first syndicated version of Match Game. Yeah, and it was just like uh, NyQuil PM because it it made you feel goofy and sleepy and weird in all the right places. (laughs) It was a primetime fringe show airing once a week in the hour before primetime started. So 7. Yeah, either 7 or 7.30. Depending. Right. Which or six now, if you were in the mountain or whatever. Uh, central. Central. Yeah. Ours was always six because it, for me growing up, it, the friend, our primetime friend shows was Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. And those were on at six. Started at six and 6.30, but our primetime started at seven. Yeah, so. we did. We were more sophisticated. We started at eight. I, well, it's just the time. We were like Europeans. Thing, I know. And you were like the peons. Central time zone just piggybacked on the Eastern time zone and just did. They were like, eh, this is an hour earlier. I whatever. was always very jealous because you got to see everything an hour earlier. Plus, when yeah. I. You know, it was at an age of bedtimes. Right. You know, I, I would miss out on a lot of great shows. Starsky and Hutch started at 9 or 10. Baby, I can get it. I, I had to sneak. Yeah, yeah. Well, Match Game PM was the first version of the game with self-contained episodes. The daytime version allowed contestant champions to come back, straddling episodes as was the given standard at the time. Oh, man, it it burns my biscuits. That That <laughs> is not, it just should be that way universally in game shows. If you win, you 100%. stay. I mean, look, even Jeopardy changed it so that they it wasn't just five wins. Yeah. You do as many as you want, and look what happened. It's stupid, and it's – I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> it's ruined my life. <laughs> Match Game PM ran until 1981. Uh, the contestant who matched more celebrities at the end of the game won the game and went on to play the Super Match, which consisted of the audience match and the head-to-head match segments for additional money. Yep. On the CBS, ver- CBS version, the winner of the main game won $100. Maybe they only won 100 bucks. For, just for winning the game itself, you had to win extra money. Yeah. It wasn't a lot, 
It wasn't a lot. I mean, I mean, yeah, back bucks. then, hundred bucks was like a million dollars. No, I, <laughs> that's that's what I mean. yeah. Uh, According to your math, then well, hundred bucks, hundred dollars would be about. So, oh no, because the uh, Magnavox Odyssey was right? hundred dollars, and it was six hundred and twenty-three dollars. Six hundred twenty-three dollars. So. There we go. So there you go. You won six hundred twenty-three dollars. You won enough to buy a Magnavox Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> so the for the audience match, the contestant was shown a short fill-in-the-blank phrase. For example, tell it to blank. For which the members of a previous studio audience had provided responses. The three most popular responses were hidden on the board, and the contestant attempted to match one of them. Yeah, because it could be, tell it to the hand. Yeah, or but tell nobody it said to that your back mama then. or something. Yeah, I, I, you know, I mean. Tell it to the mountain? Tell it to the mountain. That's that probably one of what the I things? would say. Yeah, or, yeah. Well, that was go tell it on the mountain. I thought it was too. <laughs> but, you know. Uh, matching one of the three responses on the board awarded 500 250 or $100 in descending order of popularity. If the contestant failed to match any of them, the round ended immediately and the contestant won nothing. <laughs> the premise for Family Feud was derived from this audience match round of the game. Yeah, I mean, this is literally the, it's the main reason that I include this, was because it is the reason that Family Feud exists, yeah. was because of the audience match. On right, people, survey, answers on the board, survey says. <laughs> Two audience matches were played on Match Game PM, allowing the contestant to win up to $1,000 in his half, uh, in this half of the super match. That's worth like $6,000. Yeah, that's a lot, yeah. A contestant who won money in the audience match then had the opportunity to win an additional 10 times that amount. Damn. $5,500 or $1,000 by exactly matching another fill-in-the-blank response with one celebrity panelist. The format of these matches was much shorter and non-humorous, typically requiring the contestant and celebrity to choose from a number of similar familiar phrases. For example... Baseball blank. And it could be... Baseball game. Balls. Baseball diamond. Baseball balls. <laughs> but that's what somebody... So it'd be like... So they go, all right, who are you going to choose? And then every single time they'd be like, Richard Johnson. Yeah, yeah. All right, Richard. What do you think? And he would very dramatically write down his answer. And I don't know. It was very serious, this part. Yeah. Yeah. No laughs and No, jokes. no, this was not. It was big money. It was mm-hmm. big money. Sometimes the little drunkies behind would do some shenanigans. They would be yeah. like, quiet, Brent try Summers. To, try to pull the attention to themselves like put celebrities your, Put your shenanigans in your panigans. Yeah. Summers. <laughs> the contestant was instructed that his or her response must be an exact match, although singular plural matches were usually accepted, whereas synonyms, derivatives, and partial word phrases were not. So, Okay. What would you say? And I'll tell you if I... For it's baseball? What would I, yeah. Baseball, blank. Player. Bat. No, oh, there you go. Lost. Yeah. You lost. You lost $5,000. Well. Pay up, baby. Originally, the contestant chose the celebrity. The panelist chosen most often by contestants to play the head-to-head match was Richard Dawson. Richard Dawson. Who usually matched with the contestants that chose him. He was actually really, really good at this. Oh, he took it seriously. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. I think... Part of the reason why he didn't drink is because he took it. He one of these people. It shows in his. Yeah. He gets a bad rap, and maybe he's a, a bit of a, a Richard, if you know what, if you want to read between <laughs> the lines. But he also took 
the game seriously yes. and really wanted yes. people to win. He, he wanted people to win. Mm-hmm. Yes, very much so. Uh, Dawson, in fact, was such a popular choice for the second half of the super match that the producers instituted a rule in 1975 which forbade contestants from choosing the same panelists for consecutive head-to-head matches in an effort to give the other celebrities a chance to play. After six weeks, they discarded the rule. <laughs> yeah, because it's Nobody just... liked it. Well, because they knew they had a good chance. Nobody... Look, I love Artie Johnson. He's hilarious as the tricycle-riding Nazi or whatever he did on Laughing. But I'm not going to trust him with my match yeah. because he's not a proven commodity like Dickie Doss. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they, they, they were trying to – I think a lot of it was trying to still get away from the stink of the scandals in the late 50s. It's also a bunch of drunk, jealous celebrities. Like, what a pick of me. Of you know, just, everybody was tired of uh, Brett Summers. And Jack Klugman all drunk and bitching behind the scenes about how nobody picked him. <laughs> On June 28, 1978, the producers made a second attempt to ensure that each celebrity received a chance to play the head-to-head match. Instead of simply choosing a celebrity, the contestant spun a wheel that was divided into six sections, each marked with a different celebrity's name. <laughs> they tried everything. They did. Once the wheel stopped, the contestant attempted to match with the indicated celebrity. If the wheel did not make at least one complete revolution, the contestant was required to spin again. Because some people actually tried to cheat. Of course they did. They want the dicky do. When the star wheel was first introduced, each section contained five stars and a continuous white border, and the prize was doubled if the wheel stopped with its pointer anywhere in that area. Ironically, the wheel stopped on Richard Dawson the very first time it was used, inspiring four of the panelists, uh, Brett Summers, Charles Nelson Riley, guest panelist Mary Wicks, and Dawson himself, to stand up from their places and leave the set momentarily out of disbelief, leaving recurring panelists Scoey Mitchell and guest panelist Sharon Farrell behind. Well, they didn't let Cheryl Farrell in on the joke, <laughs> apparently. Um, they would do that a lot. You couldn't keep those, keep them in the they seats. Would, no, and that no. was especially they after, would, yeah. you know, the drinking ones. It was funny. I mean, it was funny because it, it was just, it was a total by chance. Well, yes, because it, Gene Rayburn was more of a babysitter on yeah, some shows yeah. than he was a host. Yes. You know, yes. he was trying just to try keep, to, and he was probably drunk too, trying to keep the drunkers yeah. mind. <laughs> it's, yeah, it was... It, but it was very obvious at this point that yeah, very pretty nipples. I mean, uh, I, I t- yeah, <laughs> I totally understand how Dawson can come off as seeming kind of like prissy and hoity-toity, but like they, the producers tried so hard to dampen his celebrity on the show. Well, to to probably look, you're producing a show of children, okay? They're, yeah, and, yeah, and. and uh, and one of the child, one of the children is getting more attention than the other children, and the other children are getting all whiny about it. And then the child that's getting attention doesn't understand why everybody's so upset that he's getting attention. He thinks he I, deserves all sure, the attention. Sure, I get it, and it's all silly, but I yeah, but it's not. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right? <laughs> like it was. I mean, yeah. It was working. I mean, there was no reason to to do it anyway. I mean, it's fine. I you know, it made it for some interesting all... moments and. It also made things more predictable, too, because everybody yeah. – I mean, they might have might have just, like, had the last thing, have everybody true. but Dawson leave the stage and then have him true. do the thing. That's true. He's just, that is true. Be, you know, he'd be the celebrity guy. But uh, – because rarely they would pick and, – and when they had – when they had them picked for them, it was worse because the disappointment on yeah. the contestant's yeah. face when they got Jimmy J.J. Mm. Walker or something was just like, oh, man – Oh, <gasps> fine. And then, the, you know, and then the, uh, the guy was like, you know, oh, oh, I'm going to do my best, you know. Yeah, and then they yeah. were always like, I don't know this kind of stuff. I'm pretty bad at it. 
Yeah. Yeah, nobody played along like like Dawson did. No, nobody took it seriously like Dawson. Uh, At the time, Richard Dawson was becoming weary as a regular panelist on Match Game, as he had concurrently been hosting the by then more popular Family Feud since 1976. This is where I disagree with Dawson, because he kind of went into a funk. He was wearing his sunglasses, and he lost all personality, and he just was like that, a petulant child. Just not, he's like a petulant child sitting in church. They can't <laughs> wait to get out and, and, and just is so upset to be there. So he wished to focus on Family Feud. Uh, the addition of the Star Wheel ended what effectively was Dawson's spotlight feature on the show, which distressed him even further, and he left the panel of Match Game permanently a few weeks later. Yeah, the last two shows he taped, he wore sunglasses, and the producers were like, well, what the hell's going on, man? Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, go out on top, man. Don't go out like it's a just like, It's like, why not just tell them? Like, I don't want to do this anymore. It's fine. I, I got get the other it. show. You're like, busy. It's yeah. tiring to do two shows, especially hosting, and, you know, it's like yeah. it's a lot of being present. It's a lot of, you know... Concentrating is exhausting. You yeah, know? yeah. And you have to be very present well, if you're going to be a game show host or a game yeah. show contestant. It's a very well, and you specific gotta, tunnel yeah, that you're yes. walking down. And it's got to understand, too, that because of the way they, they film Match Game, this means that Richard Dawson was most likely working like five or six days a week. Sure. He would come in on the weekends to, yeah, do, to do this. Match game. And then he'd probably do two or three days of, of family feud during the week. And, and it's, it's tiring. I mean, it, right. I get it. But I mean, he would only have to do one weekend a month. Um, yeah, well, every two, no, two weekends a month, they did okay. over two weeks, but, but even then agreed. Yes. And, and you know, at the same time, you're getting paid, you're doing whatever you're, you're on sitting TV, down, like it's drinking not, you know, coffee, guessing I, guesses. I agree. I mean, I understand where he's coming from, but at the same time, it's like, come on, man, you got a driver driving you there. You got a driver driving <laughs> That's you true. back. You're That's getting true. a nice steak dinner and martinis. If you, you want them, whatever you want for, for lunch, dinner, whatever, I mean, a crab. Louie, yeah, for for lunch, the baked Alaska baked, for yeah. dessert. Get your baked Alaska. Yeah. In November 1977, CBS made a fatal mistake regarding the show's time slot. Dun, dun, dun. CBS moved Match Game to 11 a.m. immediately following The Price Is Right at 10 a.m., uh, which doesn't seem like a bad idea. You know, I mean, they, they're right. two good shows. It's fine. And I understand why they did it. Uh, however, because much of Match Game's audience was composed of students who were in school at that time of day, ratings began to sag and eventually freefall. Anytime they started shuffling a show to a different time, time slot, it was the death rattle you, of that show. Any audience member would know. Anybody watching TV, it's like, no, oh, something. Because bad. people, especially with a syndicated show, yeah, a lot of times too, it's going to be on a different time. Well, at, at this point, it wasn't syndicated, right? It was okay, CBS. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, even that, like you said, even a slight time change, yeah. can ruin everything. Because yeah. you know, it's it was funny because it it seemed like. I think, like, Sunday nights were, like, the worst time. Or Saturday nights were the yeah, worst time for Saturday TV. Yeah, Saturday was bad. Saturday I mean, Saturday bad. was reclaimed by the Love Boat and stuff. But, yeah. but, uh, but, but you could see something, you know, it would go from, like, Thursday, which was the, t- <laughs> the, the peak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, Tuesday, and then back to Monday. Yeah. And then the third Wednesday of every month. And then it was just, you like. Throw it on a Friday night, and you yeah. knew it was done. <laughs> It was like, exactly. put it to bed, exactly. it's done. Friday at 10 a.m., 10, <laughs> 10, 10, 10 p.m. It's like, no. As a result, Family Feud quickly supplanted Match Game as television's highest-rated game show. Uh, CBS attempted to correct the problem on December 12, 1977, with a scheduling shuffle among Match Game, Price is Right, and Tattletales. However, in a move that turned out to do even more damage, the network moved Match Game to its 1960s time slot of 4 p.m., a time slot which, by this point, many local stations were preempting in favor of local or syndicated programming. 
Right. And I think Family Feud took off because of the the family yeah, yeah. competition. You know, of course, a whole of family course. against Everybody a whole family. It. it was yeah, really yeah. fun to see, you know, grandma go head to head with Uncle Mark. You yeah, know, exactly, was, uh, exactly. Was, and, and again, hosted by a very charming Englishman. Right. Uh, as a result, Match Game was unable to get the audience it once did in the 60s at 4 p.m. So on July 19th, 1978, a new Match Game set was built by CBS, changed from the original bright orange to a new set with blue and white colors, as well as revamping the logo. No. They, at this point, they had still been calling it, like, Match Game 74, Match Game 75, oh, yeah. and, like, changing it. Yes, I remember know, that. Uh, at 4 p.m., the show trailed Family Feud, The Price is Right, and NBC's Wheel of Fortune, and it fell out of the top three game shows in 1979 for the first time in the CBS run. The 1,439th and final CBS episode aired on April 20th, 1979. The Tom Kennedy-hosted game show, whoo, replaced Match Game <laughs> on the schedule when it premiered in the 10.30 a.m. time slot on April 23rd, 1979. Yeah, who remembers Hugh? Uh, yeah, you know what? I looked it up, and the... The rules were so confusing <laughs> that I was like, I no wonder why no one knows what this show is. Phew. I tried to include it, but it was it would literally have taken us half the show yeah, to explain how to gives play. A crap. Yeah. That was the thing too. Things became ridiculously complicated. Yeah. Yeah. The conceits for some of these game shows are just like, okay, well let's just you know, blow everybody's minds. Yeah. yeah. Uh, after the cancellation of Match Game 79, there was still enough interest in the series for Goodson Todman to consider a continuation of the daily series in syndication as the weekly Match Game PM was still airing and had not stopped production. The consideration eventually came to fruition as a daily syndicated Match Game without a year attached and often referred to on air as The Match Game, which debuted on September 10th, 1979. Uh, the 73 to 82 run was taped in Studio 33 at CBS Television City in Los Angeles. Nice. Same CBS Television City. Shared the stage with The Price is Right. Uh, the daytime syndicated show produced 525 episodes running until September 10th, 1982, exactly three years after its debut. That's synergy, baby. It's weird. It's super weird. Uh, in 1983, producer Mark Goodson teamed up with Orion Television, who had recently acquired the rights to Hollywood Squares, and NBC to create the Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour. That's a good match. It is. Because it's, it is. it's basically the same kind of goof. Uh, Hollywood Squares was fun. I didn't like it as much as Match Game. Yeah. I thought it same. was just a little too convoluted. Yes. And a little yes. bit too much, like... Yeah. Uh, okay, you you're not pay. all Paul Lind, okay? No, no. You're not all gonna be funny, okay? You're not gonna no, do it like no. he does. And a lot of times, because he was a master, man. That's oh, why yeah, he was a center yeah. square. Paul Lind, boom, love him. But uh, but yeah, it just got kind of. It was just. It just got kind of laborious. And it was. It had nine celebrities rather than six. Circle gets like, the square. And and inevitably, you have like three celebrities that just weren't good at it, uh-huh. and or it weren't like, into it. Yeah, or just didn't care. And it, yeah, it just it was, it was fine. You know, I mean, I watched it in the eighties when they, when they brought it back again. But like, the questions were so arbitrary. You yeah. know, it was stuff it was, like. Uh, it, but it was it was confusing. I mean, that was the thing is that it was like you had to ask the celebrity would give an answer mm-hmm. and you had to agree if it was the right answer or not. And I was right. like, okay, you've got three steps to answer the question, like, right? And then the okay. celebrities would make up these crazy yeah, answers, yeah. and then but Paulin was really good at making up yeah. crazy answers, so the people would win. You yeah, know, he didn't yeah. do it to trick right, them. Right, right. He of would course. just do it for the laugh. Yeah, well, let me tell you. You know, <laughs> it'd be like you know, is the dress made up? Well, you know, he was just so 
He was another guy that was. We got to do. We got to do yeah. like the game show yeah. greats. Yeah, you know, one time of just the best contestants. No, oh, yeah, yeah. There was a great clip with uh, Gilbert Gottfried. Uh, if you ever ever chance it's on YouTube, uh, check it out on Hollywood Squares, where he was doing that same thing, where he just made up crazy answers, and this woman just kept <laughs> agreeing, and he would just scream "You fool!" at her over and over again, and it literally went on for like five minutes of her answering, and him, it's like obviously it's wrong, but she would agree, and yeah. Well, people get nervous. Yeah. <laughs> and yelling at some poor, nervous, regular lady probably didn't help her, Gilbert. But oh, it's no, hilarious. But he's funny. He's funny. Oh, I love Gilbert. He told the best of all of the aristocrats. Oh, yes, he did. Yes, he did. Uh, Gene, Rayburn, Gene Rayburn, after a year as a morning show host in New York, agreed to return to host uh, the match game. However, a few of the regular squares cast appeared on this version. John Bauman of rock group Sha Na Na was tapped to host the Hollywood Square segment of the game. Now, he was known affectionately as Bowser and Shana, do, 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 do. Yeah. Hello, sweetheart. <laughs> and he would do this thing where he would flex his muscle and then he would flex it with the fist the other way because Bowser had some guns that weren't really guns. But I just remember for some reason Bowser was just everywhere in the 80s. I, it's so weird because I did not see the match game Hollywood Scores Hour until recently. Like, Buzzer picked it up, and, and they ran it for a while, and I literally had no idea who this guy was. John? Yeah, John Bauman. I had no idea. Dude. I was like, he's so weak. He didn't seem like he was a good host. Oh, no, no. Yeah. But the thing about Shauna Na was they were kind of like the Harlem Globetrotters of music. <laughs> they had, like, ten members, and they would change, but they would have, right. like, the blonde guy, and the, yeah. you know, and, the, and Bowser was, like, the tough. Yeah. He was the Fonzie type. And and they would sing all these doo wop songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were hugely, uh, un- reasonably popular <laughs> during. The no 70s one really and understands 80s. why. Nobody does. But, but there they were. It was just another anomaly of the seventies, eighties overlap that right. created some really head scratchers yeah. of celebrities. Uh, so him, so Bauman, uh, Bowser, and Gene Rayburn, they would swap seats while the other hosted their portions of the show, which I think part of it is that John Bauman suddenly was sitting next to Charles Nelson Riley, and it's like, he's not going to be as funny. It's, no. He's just not going to be as funny. Oh, uh, you know, okay. Um, I'm John Bauman. <laughs> Bowser. Uh, he was just a, he was a... Good for him, though, I man. mean, yeah, well, I mean, yeah. I had not, I mean, more power to him. He but... basically took flexing his arm... <laughs> And made it into a career. <laughs> black T-shirt. I remember it. I could see it with his flooped-up pompadour, yeah, yeah, his grease yeah. hair. and Oh, man. Good the for ma- him. The match game Hollywood Scores Hour ran from October 31st, 1983 to July 27th, 1984, and then was summarily, summarily canceled. Yeah. In 1989, ABC, which had not carried a daytime game show since Bargain Hunters in 1987, <laughs> ordered a revival of match game for its lineup. Uh, there were some awful games, like... They were just like like coupon cutters and just stuff that was yeah. just you know. There was would... a huge like retail thing. Like Sale of the Century was one of my favorites, but it, it had started earlier. And but... Supermarket Sweep. Supermarket Sweep. I love Supermarket Sweep. Yeah, that too. was cool because you got a good. But a lot of them were just like, all right, you won these steaks. Yeah. And it's like, well, okay. Yeah. Thanks <laughs> for like, the great. steaks and macaroni and cheese you, that I get to take. You work home. your butt off, and here's <laughs> yeah. your hundred dollars. Yeah. It's like, oh, awesome. Thanks. It just seemed like 
making poor people work really hard to get crap was wow. Kind it's of almost thing. like it's America. Yeah, you go, Adam. <laughs> uh, I will say though, the remake, the new version of Supermark Sweep with Leslie Jones as the host, is one of my favorite things. I Leslie Jones adore is amazing. Leslie Jones, I adore her. She's a fantastic host. Uh, yeah, I will watch it because of her. I I quit Twitter a while ago because it was super unhealthy for me. But what I miss about Twitter is Leslie Jones oh, live yeah. tweeting stuff yeah. because she is a so genius. funny. She's, she's hilarious. So funny. One of the funniest. And she's uh, in her 50s. Yeah. Makes me love her even more. Yeah. Yeah. She's, yeah. A week's worth of pilot episodes were commissioned with Burt Convy as host, who was also hosting Third Degree for his own production company at the time. Burt Convy did well. He was a, he he did, was he a good, good 80s host. Uh, the network agreed to pick up the revival for a summer 1990 premiere. Unfortunately, just before the new series was to begin, producers were forced to find a new host when Convy was diagnosed with a terminal brain tumor in April 1990. I remember that. And that it was really sucked. sad. Dude. I remember that, too. Yeah. yeah. He, he was such a nice guy. Such a good dude. He was like on the love boat and stuff. Yeah. He was just one of those kind of perennial all around. Yeah. He was on everything kind of. He just was around during the 70s and 80s. There were just these celebrities that were there who would show up on your <laughs> favorite shows that you just got to know and you loved them and they weren't, you know, giant stars or anything. Right. But they were kind of like your friends that would but just they were, pop yeah. up. You know, Bert, hey, he's on the Vernon Shirley this hey, week. Awesome. And then he, oh, yeah. he shows up as a. As a heroin dealer on Stasky and Hutch. It just was a lot of fun, and it was super sad when he was dying. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was very sad. Uh, although original host Gene Rayburn expressed interest in returning, the of producers course. declined because uh, Rayburn suspected it was because public knowledge of his age, which he was 72 at the time, led to him being snubbed. Age, I hate ageism. I think it's bull. Yes, uh, man. Ray, the, the deal was is that Rayburn had never revealed his actual age, and he was outed by an Entertainment Tonight journalist. What a jerk. Literally came out, it was a couple years prior, had come out and been like, hey, do you guys know that Gene Rayburn's 70? It's like, what? Today's celebrity birthday is... He still would have been a great host. I mean, it's... 36. Yeah. And, ooh, Gene Rayburn, who nobody knows his age, is 72, Gene. Yeah. I, Good just, luck working in this town again, Gene. It was just, it, it, yeah, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of entertainment tonight. So no, I, no. Yeah. It's fine. I mean, but that's still, like, who cares? He If he's still, he was the best ever at that hosting he gig. He would have been great. One of the best game show hosts, I would say. Yeah. I put him in the top with like Alex Trebek because they were masters of their game. Yeah. Alex Trebek was the best at the at hosting oh, yeah, Jeopardy yeah. because he loved the game. He was the game. Yeah. And he understood the game deeply. He loved knowledge. And yeah. Gene Rayburn understood the, the point and the purpose of Match Game deeply. Yes. Which yes. was goofing around, having yeah. fun, giving people whose horrible lives are just awful, a half hour just to laugh yeah, at some of their, yeah. you know, and to make celebrities human and fun and go along with it. He he was, he. the great thing about him is he would let them go. He wasn't so much a babysitter as a babysitter that was, that was kind of in on it. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah, the, totally, the best totally. kind of babysitter that yeah. was like, let's have some extra yeah. cookies. Or, yeah. You are staying up after your bedtime. We can eat chocolate cake for dinner. It's fine. But he wholly understood his show. And I think that's what makes the best hosts. Yeah. You can tell people, and look, I know it's just a job, but you can tell people where it is just a job, where they're just hosting. And, yes. And they're going yes. through the motions, and and they can do fine, but there's a big difference between that and, like, Drew Carey, who 
deeply wants everybody to win. Yeah. Loves the program. Cares. Yeah, yeah. It, the program is, he has a certain reverence toward it and mm-hmm. a reverence toward the other host that gives him, uh, you know, humility. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's totally. just those kind of guys make game shows special and yeah. uh, timeless. Yeah. And Same. you can watch Match Game today, 74, 75, 78. Pick, yeah. You know, toss the dice, take your pick. Yeah. And it's still as funny today as it oh, was. Oh, it is. Totally. 100%. Back then. Yeah, yeah. So they end up hiring Ross Schaefer, the former host of Fox's Late Show in the USA Network dating series Love Me, Love Me Not, to take Ugh. over as host. Yeah, he was not great. I don't know who Ross Schaefer is. He's not great. <laughs> I, if you ever watch this, it's it's he's not. It's fine. I would never I mean, watch anything without Gene Rayburn. Yeah. Bench game-wise. I'm sorry. Uh, Charles Nelson Riley returned as a regular panelist, and Brett Summers appeared as a guest panelist for several, several weeks. A lot of panelists returned, such as... Vicki Lawrence, Sally Struthers, Brad Garrett, Bill Kirschenbauer, Ron Lucas, Marsha Wallace, Betty White, Dick Martin, Dolly Martin, Joanne Worley, Edie McClurg, and J.J. Jimmy Dynamite Walker. The show's 242nd and final episode aired on June 21st, 1991. This was ABC's final daytime game show. Really? Yeah. They, really? They personally did not produce game shows after that. Well, didn't most... I mean, do networks even produce game shows? I not mean, anymore. they do the... Not anymore. It, most of them are syndication, except for Price is Right, which oh. is CBS. Okay. And then the like the primetime stuff. Yes. That stuff, yes. But daytime. I'm talking daytime. Like they, Match Game... I guess, is, is it Match Game PM? What are they called? No, this is called Match Game. With the, the new With one? With Alec Baldwin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's good, but he's no Gene Rayburn. I'm sorry. No, no, no. And the, and the, and the, it, it's too, it's a little too reserved. Or it, 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 it waffles between yeah. being a little too reserved and a little too, like, we're trying to be like the old yes, one. Yes, yes, yes. But it's funny. It's I mean, still, it's, yes. it's fine. I'll, I mean, I'd, I'd go on it. Yeah. <laughs> they tried bringing it back again in 1998, but it only ran for seven months before being canceled again. Because nobody wants to watch it without Gene. I know. It's I like, know. you know, it's it's Alex Trebek all over again. You know, yeah. I think people sometimes the host or the character or whatever is the person you can't yeah. Yeah. separate it. Uh, though in poor health and suffering from dementia, Gene Rayburn appeared in person to accept a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Academy of Television, Arts, and Sciences. A month later, on November 29th, 1999, he died of congestive heart failure at his daughter's home in Gloucester, Massachusetts, at the age of 81. Man, just shy of the millennium. Yeah, almost made it. He was cremated and his ashes spread in the garden of his daughter's home. Uh, the one day, he only had one daughter. That was it, Lynn. She was only the one kid. He's married to his wife for like 60 years. Yeah, those guys were. They were good dudes. Yeah. He was yeah. a good guy. That's the thing, too. He could be a total family man because he only had to go to work two weekends. You know, it, yeah. it was yeah. the opposite of most Hollywood dads. <laughs> it's true. It which you true. get to see your kids maybe two weekends a month because you're yeah. working so hard. But he reversed it so he could spend time with his daughter. And It's really crazy, though, that he just never moved out here. He never – I mean, I, I'm good for him for yeah. getting away with it and being able to do it. But, like, that's – it's like, you know, I don't want you to raise you in Hollywood. You can stay out here. and I'll, I'll just be gone move. a couple weekends yeah. a, a month, and I'll be back. The show was revived again in 2016 with Alec Baldwin hosting. Uh, so the show has actually, Match Game, has actually been uh, produced in 12 different countries over the last four decades. Uh, the only one still currently running is in the UK with the name Blankety Blank. Blankety Blank. Don't blank blank. <laughs> Which I think is the greatest name for a game show ever. Oh, yes. Hello and welcome to Blankety Blank. Yeah. I'm your host, mm, Super British. <laughs> and our panelists are... 
2013, TV Guide ranked the 73 to 79 CBS version of Match Game as number four in its list of the 60 greatest game shows ever. I'd put it at number three. Yeah, I would probably put it number three as well. I would put The Price is Right as number one. Yeah. I would put Jeopardy as number two, only because a show that is so low-key... I'm just so impressed. Yeah, that yeah. Uh, that a smart a smarty smarts <laughs> could be so popular. It's st- still very popular. Yeah, yeah. with uh, yeah, but uh, and then I would put a number three because it was the most fun. Yeah, the reason why I loved because I'm I love game shows. I'm not as much of a game show nerd as you are. Yeah, but I was always drawn to the celebrity game shows in the '70s and stuff because, yeah. Yeah. like I said, we didn't know what the celebrities were like. Yeah, so for yeah. me, Hollywood was just this. You know, it, it was like a club of a bunch of people. They probably slept in bunk beds. You know, they all hung out together. They did everything together. You know what I mean? It was yeah, just yeah. like and this, and 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 stuff like Match Game and 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 Laughing and all these things. It it even furthered that fantasy because it just seemed like they all just kind of partied right. and hung out and and I wanted to be part of that party so badly <laughs> when I was a kid. I just like. I was so intrigued by these funny grown-ups that just were so goofy and silly like me. It was very appealing. Mm, It was so good. The show was nominated twice for an Emmy Award, although it never won. uh, Only twice? Gene Rayburn was never nominated. Which, the disappointing is that, you know who was nominated for hosting the match game? Who? Alec Baldwin. Yeah, of course he was. Yeah. I mean, no (laughs) offense to Alec Baldwin. He's great, but... It's it's fine. Again, it's fine. Gene Rayburn is a journeyman, man. And he... The reason why he didn't get an Emmy is because people didn't take it seriously, yeah. and they didn't realize how hard it was. Same thing with Chuck Barris. Yeah. You know, he was another goofball, but he knew how to make a crazy, fun game show. Yeah. I don't know if he yeah. ever got an Emmy either. I doubt it. But people didn't give these innovators, these guys that had the toughest jobs. Yeah. You know, Gene Rayburn made it look easy. He made it look seamless. And he, he was the ringleader of a three-ring circus, <laughs> and he did it perfectly. He did. And he kept he a bunch of... You know, celebrities in line, and that's not easy to do. No, no, it's not. All right, we'll be back next week. Uh, We're going to talk about some weird game shows and some other fun things throughout the history of game shows. We have an extra show this month, so we're going to do something (laughs) a little weird for you. We got next week for the stepdads, and then we have an extra... Might be good, might be bad. Try something a little different. Tune in, find out. Yeah. Joanne Flug. (laughs) Flug. <laughs> we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming, Silver Spoons, already in progress.